according to the tradition, which is the agamas that are involved with how does a temple get constructed, it is highly detailed. It will talk about different parts of the temple, what sizes, what direction, what kind of material, a whole host of things. It is in, in many, many ways the reason why it is so detailed and why it must be actually followed to the T is because it is actually trying to capture an energy principle. So, when you, when you actually build a temple following those agamas, following them exactly the way, do not use salt for sugar. If you do things like that, you will get exactly the outcome that the scripture tells you to. Deities are consecrated, how temples are built. It is in the agama traditions, some of the agama traditions are documented, some are oral traditions that are passed over generations. But if you were to follow each one of them, you will actually get the outcome. How do you get it? You harness a certain energy in nature uh, and you get the designated outcome. And once the, the other element of temple and this is something that I said in the, earlier in the presentation is once consecrated, how do you keep the energy going? And so there is a set of rituals that say that alright, this is how you keep the energy going. These are the kind of pujas you repeat it. You do the, the, the chief in this particular case, the tantri. In other places, the chief priest will have to do these on a repeated basis. Uh, and so, therefore, you keep the energy going and then, the, then the, of course, there is the 12-year reconsecration process. But these are meant to preserve energies, the rituals, uh, the consecration, the, the what they describe as Shuddhi Karan. So, we view it as purification, but it is not really as if the energy has got dirty. It has just got muddled. So, you basically make it purer once again. So, it is not you say purification or Shuddhi Karan, it is not as if filth has occurred over there. That is not the idea. The idea is that that energy which was earlier functioning at 100% has now become 70. How do you sort of clean up that 30 back and bring it back to 100? A Sabri Mala again follows many of these principles. So, Tantric tradition essentially is it does not talk about a creator God. There is no creation does not happen in that particular fashion. So, it, it is a play of energy that and it is very detailed as I said anybody that is interested should read uh, Serpent Power, Arthur Avalon. Uh, but it is an energy tradition and how it describes how creation happens, how the universe comes into existence, how individuals come into existence, how humans come into existence, what are the energy elements over there. And therefore, how can we reproduce it in inanimate objects? How can we also reproduce it in human beings and individuals? So, you will find throughout India the tradition of individuals actually invoking and they will say Devata Agya. So, that is you, you sort of drawing that energy by a certain process into yourself. Similarly, you can draw the energy into a uh, certain material. Again, it is not as if you can bring that energy into all kinds of material. So, tradition will also specify specific kinds of material for specific kinds of energies. So, Shivalinga would ideally come from the banks of Narmada or from the Narmada. There are certain very specific materials that are prescribed for some of these and that is how the sort of the, the tradition works. I describe it as Tantri and I use the term Tantric tradition here a little more because the Sabri Mala is a Tantric shrine. It is not a Vedic shrine. 
So do not carry your Vedic ideas or it's not an Advaitin shrine. So do not carry the Advaitin ideas into the Shabrimala. That is what the Supreme Court has done in its ruling. Is that it's carried these other ideas uh, into this particular tradition. It is not. And as I said, this is not a faith tradition. So the Tantric tradition is not, you don't have to have belief. If you put sugar in milk, it will become sweet. It will not become salty. 